Professor Brian Brown's research shows that vulnerability fosters good emotional and mental health. It is a sign of courage. We become more resilient and brave when we embrace who we truly are and what we are feeling. The Vulnerable Scientist Podcast is a space for scientists to tell their honest and authentic stories. I am your host, Saranya Kerry, who happens to be a scientist, informal science communicator, and I help scientists create personal websites. If you want to support this show, go to www.patreon.com slash thevulnerablescientist. You can also follow this podcast on all social media platforms at TV Scientist Pod. Great. Uh, I love this conversation so far. And as much as you've said just one low, I am curious to know the highs that you've uh, you've experienced. Yes, I feel like you've said them, but not as indicated them as they were the highs, but maybe, I don't know. Anything that is science-related, science communication-related, uh, your career in, in general, or related to your career or your personal life or anything that you'd like to share that is a high that brought positive emotions to your life? Well, I I think uh, one of the highs I have experienced, most of them actually have been in this last one year, Mm -hmm. that uh, after this, after participating in the Jinko Fellowship, Mm -hmm. it's like all of a sudden, I became an expert on these matters, you know. I became a sought-after expert, so mm. I started getting invitations to panel discussions, to conferences, to deliver presentations to the national gatherings mm-hmm. on matters to do with the bioeconomy and science communication. Mm-hmm. And so I've kind of, you know, moved along along that till now. Mm. Yeah, so... One of the things, the very first thing that happened was to host the very first international synthetic biology conference in Africa. Mm-hmm. It was a three-day conference here, and I was a co-host with, along with a friend of mine, Ivy. Mm-hmm. Thereafter, I, I participated in a, a discussion on now shipping policies. Mm-hmm. And, and here we're trying to understand how we can make shipping policies more favorable especially for researchers who want to access, like, import research inputs, for mm. example, reagents, uh, mm. equipment. Hey. So you wanted to, wanted to develop... It yeah, sounds so I... like a church, man. <laughs> I love that. I love, I love that. That's a very big problem. Yeah. So iGEM, have you heard of iGEM? I've seen it somewhere, but I've, I've never really thought about it. Yeah, tell us, so... tell us. IGM is, uh, in full, it's the International Genetic Engineering Machine. Mm-hmm. So it's an international student competition, biotech student competition. Mm-hmm. So high school, undergraduate, and postgraduate students meet at a very huge gathering every year, mm-hmm. and they present genetic engineering innovative ideas mm-hmm. to a panel of judges. Then the winning teams, I think, they get funding. And mm-hmm. and it's like we have investors mm. looking at this biggest uh, biotech competition in the world. Mm-hmm. So they're always looking up for which ideas are investment worthy. Yeah, into eh, investing. Wow, 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 yeah. wow. Uh-huh. So actually, Jinko Bioworks, the one I, I mentioned earlier, yeah, yeah. was started by an IGM team. You know, like these kids oh. at the undergraduates came up with these things and. Some of them became the co-founders of that company that's now responsible for more than 40% of synthetic biology globally. Wow. 
So this competition is really very amazing. So they, they organized the shipping policies idea. Hmm. The idea they wanted uh, to develop like a map, like a resource, hmm. whereby a scientist anywhere on the globe, in case they want to know what kind of policies they'll interact with mm-hmm. as they're going about their research. They just go to this website, mm-hmm. look at uh, the customs involved, who do I apply to, where do I get the license, and also identifying the barriers, what can we do about them, who mm-hmm. can we talk to. So, And that was because still because of the fellowship. So as I told you, one of the highs was really becoming an expert on policy in mm-hmm. this space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like clapping. Who are these people who did that? Uh, I I I Jim. The... I, I Jim. No no no. Who mm. who who presented that to I Jim? Uh well I Jim has already a committee on biosafety and so they reached out to me to join that panel on oh, policies. Okay. From, I, I joined the team as I would say the African expert on this matter. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I don't know why you're smiling. You should be proud of that, though. <laughs> I'm very proud, but <laughs> I feel weird. <laughs> exactly, you know. <laughs> I know. I feel like it's too early to be experts. I feel like no, I should wait for not. a PhD. But no, uh, it's not. It's not. I'm it's thankful. Not. I'm really thankful yeah. that mm-hmm. uh, I get to be able to share my my thoughts on these platforms. Mm-hmm. So it was a team that. I'm trying to understand this. It was a team yeah. that presented their work on shipping. So the organizing, uh, that they were trying to mobilize that resource. Mm. So they had a bit of panel discussion with with experts on policy. Okay. Yeah. Also so the, the IGEM team. Yes. Yeah, so the, I, okay. the IGEM, it's a competition, a competition of, of students, yeah, so, so the, the, I'm trying they to have, understand. They, they, have, they have a constant, should I say, like a management team uh-huh. formed up of all these committees. They have committees handling human practices, biosafety, uh-huh. handling innovation, handling, you know. Okay. But they are like the, part of the organizers, I would say the organizing team okay. of the competition. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. So, so IGM has grown beyond the competition uh-huh. to now supporting the, the whole synthetic biology community altogether. Mm. Reason being, this IGM has eventually ceased being students mm. and they become company owners. Mm. So they wanted a kind of way to keep supporting this growing community of synthetic biologists. Mm-hmm. So they keep coming up with programs to support these people in science communication, in investment, in policy, that kind of thing. Mm. So at the moment, I'm working with their steering group on science communication. So we are working, having projects aimed at supporting these scientists mm-hmm. on how they can communicate their science better. Okay. So at the time, uh, I was a policy consultant, policy expert on shipping policies. Mm-hmm. So my, my role was really to, to, to look at the case of Uganda and the case of Africa and how we're handling shipping mm-hmm. for biotech products mm-hmm. for the benefit of the rest of the, of the world working in science. Was there a question of how we can support Africa by having an African-based biotech manufacturing company? Well, uh, that is there. And actually, of late, uh, there's a lot of discussion on how we can have, like, should I call this dedicated effort mm-hmm. supporting the biotech sector in Africa? Mm-hmm. Actually, even Jinko Bioworks is working with Africa CDC mm. to develop the lab capacity Mm-hmm. to do some of the things here. Mm-hmm. So 
IGM, Jinko uh, Bioworks, and Sinbio Africa, the community, they're really working around the clock to ensure that in the next few years, Africa is able to do most of the biotech on the continent. And that's really our, our, our goal. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what's the other high? Well, the, the, the other high is uh, the two fellowships uh, I've gotten a chance to be part of. These are very competitive. Um, I'm interacting with people who are the best in their fields. And, you know, you, you, you get into a space and you almost feel like an imposter, but then you're like, okay, you, you're qualified to be here. But <laughs> it's, 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 it's really a, 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 a mixed feeling, you know? Mm. And, and you look at the lineup of... No, for example, for Jinko Bioworks, mm. uh, 2021 was the very first time they had the fellowship. Mm-hmm. So I, I got into the energy class. So now 2022, they advertised again. Mm. So now people who applied the previous year, in other words, the people who are competing against, mm. now come up to consult and I'm like, wow. You look at people's profiles and mm. feel like, these I, guys are more qualified right than you. This? How do I? You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a very... Humbling experience, mm. you know, to, uh, to get to interact with these people who have done the things, and you're like, wow. So the same thing with the Breakthrough Institute. I look at the, first of all, the alumni. Look at the other people I've, I'm going to be uh, studying, studying with, and the people I'm competing against, and you're like, wow. So it's really, those have been my highs getting to you know to participate in these programs. I have a question. Yeah. I always have a question. I don't know why I said I have a question. Um, wh- how did it feel the first time that you got feedback that you had gotten the, the fellowship, the first fellowship? Well, I, I Do you remember? He <laughs> screamed. That time. I screamed. Wow. It, it was an evening and uh, normally chilling on the phone, you know, mm. and a message, an email message pops up. Mm-hmm. And you know how how, how good news that we are pleased to inform you. Yeah, yeah, they're like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Did you finish the email? (laughs) (laughs) It was was very interesting. It was very interesting. (laughs) I I, I, I first jumped around, read the email. I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. Mm. And what made really, what made it's been a more enriching experience. Mm-hmm. I got to interact with people who are really, have done a lot of work in this space. Mm. Uh, the, the, the gentleman who, who was in charge of uh, that department, policy and partnerships at Jinko, this, this was a, a gentleman with very rich experience in handling biotech policy. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, it was the guy behind this whole idea of the COVAX facility that mm-hmm. was donating vaccines to Africa. Mm-hmm. He, he literally started What's the name? Uh, Ryan Mohad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's director of policy partnerships there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Lily, all these guys are really amazing. And, mm-hmm. and I think the other thing that was interesting was how the kind of, you know, in a meeting and I address you like the African expert. So uh, it challenged me to to always be on the top of matters. Game, your game, like oh, yes, because I was like, any time a discussion comes up and they're discussing Africa, you have to know what they're talking about. Yeah, so, <laughs> so it was really good, and I think that kind of defined my policy thinking going forward. Mm. That now, when I'm thinking of policy, I always want to know what's happening elsewhere. Mm. 
Mm. I'm now no longer thinking of Uganda. I'm thinking of now Africa. Actually, all, almost now there's all my policy, my policy plans, my policy recommendations. Mm. I'm now addressing Africa as a continent. Mm-hmm. Uganda still, but... And I find the space at Zimbabwe Africa really very good for that. Mm-hmm. Because Zimbabwe Africa is aimed at growing the, the biotech and static biology space across the entire continent. Mm-hmm. When you're organizing workshops, conferences, you have to always ensure we are addressing the continent. Mm-hmm. You're supporting capacity on the continent. So that was really a very good experience to realize that these things don't affect just the country, mm-hmm. but the science we are really so passionate about mm-hmm. has as spill of us to the rest of the world. So you always have to think about that. Mm. That if this goes wrong, what mm. will happen elsewhere? Not previously, biosecurity and biosafety was like a fiction. You watch all these movies of things escaping out of the lab and yeah. you're like, no, that can never happen. It, it sounds like it sounds like horror or yes. it sounds like a sci-fi movie with Exactly. Uh, you know, like, yeah. we're just watching something interesting. It's not a policy, but... And, and you know, Ryan was sharing his experience of how he was trying to get governments mm. to commit to having a response plan to mm. such events. Mm. And you know, you know, people feel like it's a good idea, but they feel like it's far-fetched, you know? Mm. feel like there can't be something that can really bring happen. the entire world to its knees. It can't happen. Let me tell and you. Then, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And so when it eventually happens, and it's like, I already told you guys, you mm-hmm. need to prepare for this. And luckily, at least he had thought about it. So you go to lead the COVAX facility and other related efforts. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was a bit of a good. That's situation. a good discussion, really. Like, that's a really yeah. good discussion. Because, yes, yes, we're not hoping that um, someone would not be. Yeah. We're not hoping that someone will make a mistake, but we need to be ready for that. You know, sure. when I was, I was talking to my supervisor recently. Okay, well, she's, she was uh, suggesting to me. She was like, she's, she's actually very, um, so yes, I'm a master's student at Ilri doing my project uh, where I'm looking for new vaccines for uh, bacterial pneumonia that affects cattle called CBPP. And for me to do that, I need to understand how the host interacts with the host. Inter- eh, the host interacts with the host. The host interacts with the, the pathogen. The pathogen, which the pathogen here is the bacteria, which is a mycoplasma, which is actually the one of the. It's the smallest. It, it belongs to the smallest class of living organisms that can be supported, uh, like the smallest bacteria. Yes, bacteria are small, but it's the smallest bacteria. Yeah, uh, it has the smallest genomes. It's it's very difficult to work with, but the mycoplasma is interacting with the the cow. In the lungs, yeah. it's a pneumonia disease. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm trying to figure out what happens there. So since it, it the immune response looks like it's a viral immune response instead of being a bacterial immune response, we're trying to understand what is happening there. So yeah. for me to do that, I'm creating mutants. So this yeah. is GMO, right? Yeah. But there are no policies in Kenya to 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 deal to with guide. that. Yes, yeah. to deal with that. So we are using. <laughs> Even when the biosafety people are coming, they're using the rules for animal GMO, mm. and they're still not figuring out this is actually not animal GMO. It is mm. bacteria that I'm creating that have just mutated, and it's not going anywhere. I'm not even testing yeah. it on animals. I'm just using it to study the fundamentals of, yeah. like trying to understand which gene is responsible for this 
Yeah. How can we use this information to get a better vaccine? You know, it's it's yeah. very fundamental research. So when when you're having these discussions, uh, she was like, okay, and plus I I, I recently won the the pitch to present your work in three minutes at Ilri, the captive challenge just recently. And yeah. um, she she knows that I really love science communication. She knows that I do podcasts. So she was like, hey, you, you are lucky. No, she didn't say that the way I'm saying it, but that's that was the way I... <laughs> that was you the picked way, it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's why I picked it. That you, you're mm. lucky that you can go into science communication. You're good in, in, in science. You understand your science. You're passionate about it. She knows I'm very passionate about it. It frustrates me at times. And you can go into science. You can go into science communication. You can go into biosecurity, all these yeah. things. And if I was to do a mistake and if I was to create a mutant that actually is not becomes infective, of which we are not hoping for that, it's not yeah. possible really possible somehow but if that's possible it's 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 good like you have to be careful with how you handle the things that you're creating you know because you don't yeah. want to let that out of the lab even if it won't affect infect you it might infect their the, the cows you know yeah yeah, yeah. Other, other somewhere whatever else so and i was having this discussion with someone who is from the the bus uh he's a biosafety officer in kenya um and we were actually having a podcast on this and we were discussing that and he we he was thinking we should have, you know, a more a platform where we talk about this biosecurity, biosafety issues and, you know, just educate and let's have conversations around it. Because these are things I don't see really happening. People won't don't want to see that, you know, that's possible. <laughs> they don't want to yeah. have that conversation, but it's a very good conversation to have. True. And I think because of this experience, I think now the policymakers are willing, are more willing to have that conversation. Mm. Mm. That's the, the only, I would say, the silver lining to this cloud of the pandemic. Mm. Having having now that listening ear yeah. as we discuss biosafety and biosecurity. Yes. I've actually just seen an email. I'm told now there's, which university is it? I think it's in Kenya. Mm. Which now has an undergraduate course on biosafety and biosecurity. Which one? Uh, is is this university in Kenya? Yeah, it is in Kenya. Masinde Muliro University oh. of Science and Technology. Most. Yes, Kakamega, Kenya. Yes. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And I was so happy as like, wow, now people are thinking yeah. progressively. Yeah. It's an undergraduate. Undergraduate. That was long overdue. Yeah, I'm just happy that this is finally of, here. I've never even had it's, such it, a course in Kenya. That's, that's no, it's song. it's new. It's new. Yeah. I think they've just launched. Mm. Yeah, and you're the um, first one to know, <laughs> and we are the first yeah. one to know here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm. They have launched and they're working with uh, the Foundation for the, the Biosafety Association, International Federation of mm. Biosafety, something. And I think it will be a very good thing that we have this capacity being built locally. Mm. Yeah. At least once you have the undergraduate and the postgraduates will also follow suit and yeah. And that's a very funny way of starting a course because normally you'll see if they want to start something new, they will start with the postgraduate. It's like the way bioinformatics is. You start with the postgraduate yeah. then going backwards. Yeah. That's a very nice way to approach things. Now at least we'll have people who've had four years of 
learning about all that. Yes, of biosafety, biosecurity. Yes. That's very good. Very, very nice. And and I think you're going to have them for a, for a workshop coming up next month under that initiative to mm. combat the, those global catastrophic biological risks. And I think it will be exciting to learn that Kenya is thinking ahead mm. in that space. Yeah. We were talking about you being an African expert, Matas. <laughs> <laughs> and how that feels. Like... Yeah. No, it's 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 a very humbling experience, but I think it it gives me a very huge challenge mm. in that I really have to make sure I'm always on top of matters. Yeah. So that anytime I'm participating in discussions, I don't sound dumb. Mm. <laughs> I have to know what's happening, mm. what can be done. So I, I, I've now gotten myself in a space whereby it's now normal for me mm. to just have these discussions with my colleagues, mm. just to, to know what can be done, what they're thinking. Mm. Sometimes I just meet up people online and ask them to have just casual chats, just to know, mm-hmm. understand how people are thinking through these whole ideas, bioeconomy mm. and biosecurity. Mm-hmm. So that I, whenever I have the, the opportunity, I can always uh, make worthy judgments. Wow, I've never even heard of bioeconomy. I'm so backward, man. Anyway, now I'm learning. But but, but you know, know what the bioeconomy is, right? Yeah, you told me the, the money aspect of science, right? Of, of biotech specifically. Oh, okay. Yeah, actually, the simpler definition is this is the part of the economy that's contributed by biotechnology. Ah, yes. yeah, that's a very simple explanation. Yeah. Okay. So, so, for example, as you work on your vaccine, my mm-hmm. my job would be to ensure that at the end of the day, mm. this is not just for the publication, but mm. it's something that can be sold maybe by that institute or you set up a company around that whole concept, you patent a vaccine and uh, have a vaccine value chain, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereby Kenya is having people buying vaccine for that particular animal disease from mm. from you guys. Yeah. You know? So in looking, thinking through how to upscale production, Products, what would be required, yes, and how to make them, yes, how to make them economically feasible, people, especially yeah. for investors, yeah. Mm. Guy, that's that's so guy. That's a, I even I'm saying guy. That's so amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. So uh, I, I think I, I I saw the post on LinkedIn. So I'm mm-hmm. really looking forward to see what comes out of the work you're working on. I think it will be exciting. Oh, okay. Awesome. I like when people tell me, tell me about what I'm doing. <laughs> like I'm like, okay, so I, I'm actually doing communication. <laughs> there is nothing yeah. that excites me recently. Like when someone who's not especially in my field or who is in science generally, who understands what I'm doing. Yeah. That's so exciting. But I'm a scientist, Sarah. So. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But you know, sometimes even if you're a scientist, you really don't know probably don't know what's what happening, someone, what someone else is doing, someone next to who is what is doing. You're not even really yeah. bothered to know what they like, yeah. You do your science, I do my science. You know, and and whenever such things happen, I feel like my choice of career path is mm. justified mm. to understand the science first and then seek to communicate it. Yeah. Starting when I'm discussing with the, the scientists like you, I can easily pick on what you're trying to explain. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I got distracted by a science communication 
post. <laughs> By the way, I am really passionate about communicating science to the public. Yeah. Full stop. Like, not science communication in general. I'm very, and in, the informal bit of it. I'm very particular about that and I'm very passionate about it. So when I see something related to that, it really distracts me. <laughs> Like, that's a good form what? of distraction yeah yeah like i'm like yeah. what and it's a it's a, some a previous guest here who's talking about it she's interviewed someone who talks about the experience of uh communicating science the challenges of communicating science to the public yeah it's, it's amazing oh, okay now i've gotten lost in, in my head <laughs> It's not con- confessing. Uh, my mind just goes when it comes well, to well, something distracts me. We're winding up the highs, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. asking about how it feels now to to be able to speak yeah. for Africa on some of these matters. Yes. So the other question that I was about to ask again is yeah. how now you had the first experience. Now the second experience of you getting this fellowship that you are about to start. How was it like getting that? Yes. Now, this year's felt like a, not, I almost feel like it's a sign from God mm. that, that I'm walking down, should I call it the right path? Mm. Having opportunities coming in where I want them to come from also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Because, you know, when I read that, still now this fellowship still has notified of it by the gentleman I talked about earlier, Nasib, who introduced me to Ubik. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, he's an alumnus of, of this fellowship. Mm-hmm. So I think when they put out the call, I mm-hmm. remember they had the mobilizer in Uganda. So mm-hmm. he sent me a WhatsApp and was like, oh, these guys are having a call, so you can share with your colleagues. I was like, wow, and this is something that is falls within my space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I share still with my on, on other platforms, but I also mm-hmm. apply for it. Mm-hmm. So, so this was a bit more hectic. They were there, I think, three rounds of interviews. Mm. Or round one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Eventually, now the email comes through. Yeah, so, so it was it was that kind of, I feel like a rubber stamp that, you know, that you're doing, you must be doing something right. The right, right. thing, yes. yes. The imposter yeah. thing, does it go after this? Or is it still there? Uh... I think the imposter thing is slowly fading off, you know, mm. slowly fading off. Though, because these are the affirmations. Yes, yes, yes. Now, these are not like, you know, the affirmations that, okay, maybe perhaps you aren't really an imposter. Probably you're doing something right. Whatever you're doing, you're doing something right in there. And it actually reminds you like, why was, you, why was I thinking that I was an imposter? Yeah, yeah. But that's... A, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's good. So, and, and I think... Uh, this is going to, you know, this this is based within a, a research institute. Mm-hmm. So it's really going to be an almost, should I say, like uh, an academic bit of training. Mm-hmm. They're not in the lab, but on policy, but these are guys who do this on a daily. They're always mm-hmm. researching on how what's happening in one part of the globe may end up affecting mm-hmm. the other end. And, and the, the, what I like about their work is that... Uh, Normally, when, when you're watching news or when you mm. read news articles, mm. there's where you fail to connect events or, you know, look at that long chain mm. 
mm-hmm. although one event affects the other. Mm-hmm. But then these guys, the policy researchers, it is their work to interpret for the general public how some of these random, uh, seemingly random events mm-hmm. end up determining how policy and how the rest of the world moves. Mm. One of the very interesting articles that really made me love this work was how one of them was able to was was predicting that the war between Ukraine and Russia mm. may end up having an effect on agriculture, mm-hmm. on the food market, mm-hmm. and you're already seeing that. Mm. In Uganda, the cost of bread is so expensive that oh someone God. was recommending we switch to switch mm. to cassava. You know. Yeah. Oh my God. The bar of it's soap so is expensive. Yeah, you know. Then I was like, someone saw this, someone read this, saw all these threats as like there's a looming war, and was able to think how this would affect food. Mm. That's normally isn't something very obvious to those who are watching news. Mm. So I, I, I want to be able to develop that skill of being being able to inform the public and stakeholders mm. of how things that aren't obvious to them, mm-hmm. may actually have, you know, impacts on many lives of people. Mm. Because I realize sometimes in decision-making, that's something that is always missed out on. Mm-hmm. People hear something's happening, maybe in Kenya, and they feel like, ah, we accelerated, it won't affect us. Mm. And, and, they, and they forget that, you know, we are very interconnected globally, yeah. that almost none or another, we are bound to be affected. Yeah. And the earlier we appreciate that, the better we prepare ourselves yeah. and our economies and our systems to kind of, to kind of uh, bear these effects. So I really look forward to that kind of experience with this fellowship, being able to develop that policy analysis. You were born and raised in Uganda. Yes. Where exactly? Masaka. 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 Where, where did I hear Masaka? M- Masaka is now a city. Masaka city. It's uh It's uh It's a few. It's about a hundred and thirty kilometers from the capital city. Mm-hmm. But it's famous because apparently it's it's said to be the capital mm-hmm. of the largest ethnic group here. Mm-hmm. And sometimes back used to be a food basket, though because of climate change and other factors, it's. It's slowly losing that position, yeah. Mm. Mm, okay. So yeah. you were born and raised in Uganda. Yes. When was the first time you moved out of Uganda? In 2012. Where were you going? That time I had participated in uh, the East African writing, writing competition. In and a... I happened to be one of the winners. Wow. So we were, we were awarded with a trip outside Okay, it was supposed to be a visit to any of the East African countries. At the time, we visited Kenya. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was the first time I was out of Uganda. Okay. Uh-huh. I was in senior three. Okay. That, that is like uh, grade nine. Yeah. I have no idea. Is it high school or I don't know? That's like middle school. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, just before high school, yeah. So, um, what, when is the second time you went out of... Tell me oh, the experiences sec- of getting out of Uganda. Oh, of how Uganda. many countries have you been to? Uh, two, so far. Kenya and uh, India. You, I, haven't, you I, haven't tra- I haven't traveled a lot. What about California? I had something to do with California. California will be going there next month. Oh, oh. 
cool. So how yeah. eh, why am I saying that like some illiterate human being? <laughs> so how, <laughs> how how was your experience getting out of Uganda, being out of the things that you knew? How how different was the culture? How different was what is was so shocking? Just tell me the experience. I think the first time, that's 2012 time, I I didn't really experience a lot of the culture mm-hmm. because you know you are students, so you yeah. come out, you go out with the teacher, you know you are mm-hmm. controlled, your movements are yeah. controlled, and uh, and our program was really well laid out, participating in conferences, training, go to a Mombasa, what what. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's actually a much out of freedom. But then the second time I came to Kenya, mm. that was last year to, to, for the Science Stories Africa event. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I got to interact with other science communicators. They are either allies, they both take me around Kenya, get to experience the nightlife, mm. went to that place where they sell game food. I forgot in that place. Wow. I like They sell game meat there. Mm-hmm. What do they call that place? Mm-hmm. Crocodiles, ostriches. What do they call it? I don't know. It was a nice place. Uh, yeah, so, so I, I, I spent like uh, six weeks in Kenya. So I was able really to experience Kenya. Kenya. And, and I was organizing an event. So I was always on the move, moving to national theater, looking for service providers, Kenya School of Government. So I got to love Kenya. One of the things I really loved about Kenya fact that I was in the city and there wasn't a lot of noise from, from cars. Yes, 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 that one. I'm a nice person. Don't you yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was the place. I loved it. Okay. Uh-huh. It was a very good experience. Mm-hmm. So, cars... so one of the things I loved about Kenya mm. was the way people uh, use their horns sparingly. It's not a lot of pee, 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 pee. Ah. Now, when I went to India, and it's the order of the day, I was like, "Wow!" You know, wow. India is very busy. In India is very busy. Now in Kenya, I don't know if I was in the better place, but as in Nairobi itself, in the center, yeah. and uh-huh. I felt like yes, they, it is there, but it's not a lot. It's not a lot like in Kampala or in India. It's. I would like to know what is a lot. Like what is lot? A lot. Like I would no, love to know. A, a lot whereby some days I could travel, like, travel like. Took to town and back mm. without hearing anyone hoot. That was a strange experience for me. Yeah. God, I I've to, never I, thought I, about this. I used to ask the Uber drivers, how do you guys do They're like, no, if I find it a bit disrespectful mm, to put for rude. someone. Yeah, it's rude. So I was like, wow. That's a very interesting way of looking at it. So I come back to Uganda and I was like, oh, Kenya is good, you know. By the way, if you hear, by the way, that's, that's something, of, wow, I would love that you've brought this up. I have never, ever thought about it. And when I look back, I'm like, by the way, the only time I've seen someone like hoot, it's something strange. It's either someone is about to be hit or something, or someone is about to cause an accident. Then you see, see hear a very big hoot, or someone yeah. is cussing at someone for doing something. Then they want Stupid, their attention. Yeah. Then mm. that's when you'll hear someone hoot, which is very, not very common according to my experience. Like, I've not really seen that. Like, if I see it, I'm like, eh, those people are really annoyed. <laughs> Exactly, you know, and 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 you can imagine Nairobi is a busy place, but yes. seeing that people can go about their business without hooting, without feeling the need to hoot at someone, I was like, wow, wow. Good. So it's very common in Kampala and in India. Oh, in Kampala it's very common, and in India it's a lot. You know, India is a very busy pop- place because I think yeah. owing to their population, yeah. you know, it was so common that moving from one point of the city to the other 
I would get back to my hostel with a headache from oh. all from all the noise. I was like, how do you guys survive here? And for them, it's so normal that even... They don't even realize. It's like a clock. Not exactly. a ticking clock. You don't yeah. even realize a, t- a clock is ticking. Exactly. So, so, so to them, I think they're drivers. The, mm. the, uh, my Indian friends were used to that. It's mm. so like, I feel like when some things were obvious, mm. as you know, someone is going to turn, they have dropped the indicator and you still would chat to them. They're like, and then it's it's so common there. Uh, I just accepted it the way it is. Mm. But the experience in Kenya was so good. I loved it. <laughs> okay, uh, I would love to. Ex- I really hate noise, but I really love to appreciate what you're yeah. talking about. Like, how, when did you realize that? Like, did you know it, it's? Did you used to? Re- I don't know. Like before you came to Kenya, for example. Mm. Okay, which one was the first experience? Was it Kenya or India? No, the first experience really didn't give me a lot of experience because I was very young and I was yeah, quite yeah. old. Also, but the second time I was on my own, uh, having to organize an event an in adult. Nairobi. Yeah, an adult. So I was able to appreciate some of the things. So, so, so in, in Uganda, uh, hooting is a bit normal because of taxis, you uh, know. Uh, but then in but, Kenya, as I, like, I spent a weekend... I barely hear anyone hooting. I'm like, how come? So I began asking these Uber drivers. I'm like, how do you guys do that? They're like, no, it's rude. It's disrespectful to do that. I was like, wow. But there is no law somewhere. It's just a thing. Yeah. I love it. Like, how did you realize that it's it's not normal to hoot? No, that's after going for a week. And I realized some reason I've really not had this whole hooting experience. It's so quiet. Uh, you drive, you drive quietly. I can, you could even have Zoom meetings uh, in traffic, yes. not being afraid of this noise. Oh my noise. god, I do that. Oh my goodness, I just say that. But in Uganda, having a Zoom meeting in traffic, everyone will know you're in traffic mm. because people will be hooting around you. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, but in Kenya, I could easily have meetings on the go. Because I came to Kenya and I was still part of the fellowship around that same time. Ah, so you're still so, busy. I was still busy, but I had to get things moving. But I could easily tune into the calls, respond mm. in the back of a car and have, don't have to worry about the noise and the what. It was so good. When, I'm, when I'm, I have to attend to two things, I usually take an Uber. Yeah. When I have to attend to two things so so that I can have the meeting, especially if it's 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 not very official, if you know what I'm saying. Like if yeah. I'm the one speaking, I'm be part yeah. of the speaking, and I I don't have to you know put my video on. Yeah. I I usually do it on traffic, but but if it's something official and I'm the one speaking, I will yeah. do that. But um, but if it's a normal meeting when I'm not the one speaking, I'm not, I don't have to contribute. I can just as well as keep quiet. And but I want to be part of that meeting. Maybe I can just chat. I would. It's very common for me to do that. Yeah. You, <laughs> Thanks you, you, for you, bringing that up. Mm-hmm. You have the advantage of of the silent traffic. That's that's a very unique experience. Thank you. I, I, you're making me appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. You should visit Kampala. You'll get to rush hour. Kampala rush crazy, hour. Man. <laughs> <laughs> then after experiencing Kampala, go to like uh, Mumbai or New uh, Delhi. You get uh, uh, a different experience. Um, I'll go crazy. Yeah. I really hate noise. I hike because I hate noise. Yeah. Anyway, um, so what else? 
But th- I've never thought that someone would say that. That's still in my head. What else? Oh, oh the other thing I like about Kenya is how people have adopted M-Pesa so much. At, at some point, you feel like moving around with cash is an extra baggage. Mm. In Uganda, we have that service here, yeah? but I feel like I think it's the adoption really rate... Mm. We have embraced it for transactions, mm-hmm. but not for like paying for commodities. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Mm. Like, we use it for sending money to, let's say, people far away from us. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm sending money to money back home or something, mm-hmm. but not going to the shop and just, you know, pay using... M-Pesa, go to hospital, M-Pesa. Mm. And in really? Kenya, that was the order of the day. I like almost everywhere. never had to move around. Yes, every, it's like From everyone. Mamboga, kiosk, the smallest business exactly. the biggest business. Yes, the person like, on the road selling boiled eggs still have yeah. business. <laughs> True. And it was so convenient. I loved it. Mm. But if you lose your phone, oh, your money goes... <laughs> <laughs> of course, probably no one will. You still get your money back, but yeah, you'll get into trouble. Like you don't have cash with you, you can't go home. Yeah, but if because people like, are so used I like, to, I like the idea of embracing digital, especially yes, in, in the yes. African setting. Yeah, people have really embraced it for for long. But then most people don't really have change cash. Like yeah. you know, people beg. Actually, people beggars have. Trouble. <laughs> they have money. They, they have the the katululu, the 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 small th- mobile phone. What do you call it? Eh. Then they're like, "I, you don't have change. You don't have change." Mpesa. Mpesa me. <laughs> <laughs> then somebody's like, "How can you afford a phone and you don't have money to eat?" Well. Yeah, but it's not really embraced. But I've seen like now. Unless you're coming out of a supermarket and you yeah. had cash, but it's very mm. rare. Like even everywhere, like I've never realized that, but it's so common. Because for, for me, I rarely have money mm. unless I'm, the, the common person that I'm interacting with always wants me to withdraw instead of sending to their M-Pesa directly or it's not Lipana M-Pesa because it's different. So you understand that they're sending money yeah. to the Lipana M-Pesa. So, yeah. If it's Lipan and Pesa, at least I'm not being cut to send that money, but with withdrawing that's cut money every single time. Yeah. So, there are people, there, yes, it has been embraced, but not in, especially in places where it's not competitive. Like if you live in an area where things are not competitive, like shops are not competitive between one shop to the other, you'll find yeah. someone who will be like, give me the Gosh. money. Yeah. yeah, they'll be like, oh, and they want you to withdraw so that they have, because they have a ambassador shop. They want those transactions. Because yeah. with the transaction, apart from them getting the money that you're paying them with, they also get the money from there for the their commission. Yeah, for their, yeah, their commission. So it's a very dirty sometimes business. But if it's in a business, busy place and you have two shops you have to choose from, no one will do such a crazy business and tell you, oh, Ati, withdraw. I, I don't want, there's no Lipana Impesa or you, hey, they, they cannot do that. That's yeah. a, a very funny game to play. But it's, it's a problem in, in close-knit places where it's, like it's not very loud and there are not so many businesses but it's a very common thing around everywhere because if you if you don't have that lip and person then you're inconveniencing if there's someone will tell you oh me i don't have cash then they will walk away yeah so why lose someone because you're selling ice cream something for 10 shillings and you don't want someone to pay you through and mm. they'll be like 
uh, it's okay. I don't have cash. Then they go. You lose a customer like that. So yeah. people prefer working with M-Pesa. Oh, that's, yeah. a, that's a good notice. That's good. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the last thing I think I appreciated was the architecture mm. around. I was like, wow, no, these, these architects are on some other level. So like people really give their designs a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Yes, those buildings. It's like each building is unique from the next. Mm-hmm. In, in Kampala, we still have those tall buildings, but I don't feel like their designs are as threatening oh, as those oh, I saw in Nairobi. Like they're not as diverse, probably. Yes, but mm. in Nairobi, it's like these architects really give it their all. It's like even if it's an apartment it's, it's, building, it's like they are competing for the most <laughs> yes. most unique design. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can really, you can really just drive through traffic just looking at buildings and mm. and, and not get bored. Because yeah. like each building design is different from the next. Which which part of Nairobi did you like? Uh, I'm not sure if I know the parts, but uh, what would that be called now? Uh, I call it okay, which building did you like? Westlands? Westlands? Yeah. It's Westlands, yeah. yes. The one that impressed me most was that thing that looks like a bullet. I think it's for BMW. Yeah, 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 at Westlands, yes. just at, yeah. at near the roundabout, I think. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, but I also like that building. Yeah, it's like, wow, no, this architect sat there and was like, why not design a bullet building? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I like that. Hmm. So, okay, that's all in terms of culture okay what about india you've not talked about india apart from the noise oh in in india the the people the indian people are very 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 friendly mm-hmm. they're so nice mm-hmm. the other thing i loved about them is uh oh the cost of living is cheaper than in uganda interesting ah, I... I felt a bit richer when i was wow, in india i want to live <laughs> in mean... india for some reason yeah <laughs> but, but, but uh there are things that are the food culture, you know. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing that was familiar to me was the rice. Everything else I was as an adventure. <laughs> Did you cry? No, no, no. For me, I love food, so I'm always curious. Oh, no, how does like this taste like? Food? I don't like spicy food. I love okay. the other food kind. adventure. I would ah. say. You know? So I just want to know before I dismiss something. I want to know what it tastes like first. Yes. So uh, my friends always took me around to, you know, almost every place they knew I could get unique food. Mm. Like, I, need to, I need to get the rich experience of India. And wow, they are good. I, I like their food. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was very spicy, but I, I, I like the ideas behind the food. As in... Mm. <laughs> like I, 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 I had fellow Ugandan students there and we kept comparing their cuisines to... Our uh, food, yeah, and I was mm. like, wow, these guys really take it to another level. I go to taste seafood probably. there. <laughs> yeah, probably because you're accustomed to our food. The other yes, guys really. And basic recipe. Yeah. And not like diversifying the recipe, really. Well, like, the for them thing, the... probably I missed out, I didn't get the names of the foods, but I really oh. try to ensure I test anything that looks new to my eyes. Mm. Yeah. Did you have any problem with your stomach? Oh, no, no, I usually don't have those problems, so that's good. Then my friends, some of my friends, because of the spice level, uh, they, 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 they had... Problems in the toilet. Problems in their tummies. <laughs> to an extent that uh, we had to complain, so 
the hostel for international students, so they had mm. to turn down on the yes, space level. Because uh, people are having serious trouble here. Mm. Just imagine you have your ulcerations, you're used to yeah. dodging pepper and all that. And someone yeah. brings full blast space level, you're like, yeah. man, yeah. this is too much for me. And and the good thing with them, I think they know their space level is high. So they always have uh, cold water ready for you. Knowledge, yeah. Uh-huh. So they have jugs of cold water on each dining table. Wow. So in case really you can't take it anymore, you first cool down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I used to love spicy food, but not like Indian level spicy. I used to love spicy food. Then I got to a point where I, when I go to the loo, it's mm. a very bad experience. It's like yeah. get, getting spicy on the stomach and getting spicy on the other side. <laughs> it's, it's a very bad experience. Trust me, you do not want to laugh. Do you know, no, I used to laugh. I experienced that. So, so, so <laughs> I, I always drink lots of water. <laughs> Let me now laugh. Now I can <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to understand why this university literally have a water point at... Mm. Almost every floor, be it in a hostel oh, or so an it's office a building. Even with them, probably, right? I assume so. Mm. And I think the other thing, probably, they have that their place was a bit hot, very oh, hot. Okay. As in Africa, we have the heat, mm-hmm. but their heat was on another level. Even me, an African, I was like, this is too much for me. Ah. <laughs> it's like I'm in an oven. Wow. Yeah. The next thing that Richard as well, like, please don't move in the sun. The mm. sun here is very hot. The things was towards their summer, mm. so it was extra hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it's like I was being boiled. It was hot. So, <laughs> so I had to move around with water mm. everywhere. Okay. Everywhere. But I think it was a good experience, you know. It's it's good for us feel something to challenge what you know. So. Yeah. I liked how they have a tendency of putting salt in every sweet juice. Uh-huh. I'm like, why would you do that? Uh-huh. They serve you juice and they put salt. They serve you soda, they put salt. It's like the soda. <laughs> so if you want the soda, you want the salt. Make sure you buy the soda yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but if you go to like a party or a wedding uh, and they are serving soda in glasses, it will always have salt. Have salt. <laughs> wow, that's a, like... that's a new thing of learning. <laughs> <laughs> but I but love them. They're, good, they're very right? friendly people, really. Yeah. No, 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 no. Imagine oh. putting putting salt in. But why would juice? they do that? Probably they like it. Probably it's a good taste. I for think them, it's they a like it obviously. Embrace. Yeah, yeah. For them, they, that's the, that's how nice, they take probably. it. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it was <laughs> it I should, was funny. I, I don't know. I had Indian guests, but they've never talked about food. I don't know why. Hmm. But but they love spices, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never thought about anyway. Okay, yeah. This is, you know, you don't, you know, as an India, probably you don't see some things. Yeah. But if someone coming from outside, you see, you notice things. You're like, this is different. Because... Yes, it, it it was too serious at that point that they had to separate food for Indians and... from that of international students ah. because we were all complaining about the same issue. So they were like. Mm. We have to really make adjustments. Mm. So our food was still spicy, mm. but it's it wasn't. Uh, having tested the, the previous version, we're like, ah, ah, this, this is, is fine. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. <laughs> <laughs> and they have a lot of sweets. Ah, I love their sweets. So mm. it was good. Yeah. But what I like really, they are friendly people. They're mm. really friendly. Yeah. Are you insisting on that? that? They must be really friendly. 
Yeah, and I think I, I'm told in some areas they could be hostile, but I think mm. the area yeah. where I was, mm. I think the university has lots of international students, so the oh, community so, around is okay. used to that diversity in culture. Okay. So they always they always want to know about your country, how mm. they can make life easier for you, you know, all wow. these kind of things. They're always trying to ensure you're having a good experience. So it was nice, and lucky for me, I found a roommate. Mm-hmm. He was an international student, but mm-hmm. uh, was coming from Nepal, so he knew Hindi. So mm-hmm. it's like I had a free interpreter. Mm-hmm. So that made life a whole lot easier. So whenever I want to bargain for things, mm-hmm. uh, go to new places, I wouldn't be worried. Okay. He knew their language fluently. That's a nice tip, have an interpreter. Oh, we'll just have an Indian friend. <laughs> He'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> So, so whenever you're going shopping mm. or, you know, he goes with you and it makes life a he bit survived. easier. Yeah. But is India is also a good experience. Mm. Yeah. Is there anything else pertaining to traveling that you've learned? <sighs> well, I, I, I realize I think the level of strictness at some of these places varies. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I think I always do mm. to print everything I think they may need, even if it's not necessary. But if I get a, a, a hint that probably because someone wants to be to be a bit cumbersome, they'll ask for it, I print. Mm. So whether it's an admission letter or, or an offer letter of a job or a contract, what mm. I just have the things with me. Because mm. sometimes you find someone and they really want to make life hard. Mm. And they're like, but I have the visa. Why are you still bothering me with all this? And so just to be safe. Just have everything with you so that you have an easy yeah, just time. have everything with me, yeah. So that chances are that even if you really ask for the weirdest kind of document, I have I it have with me. <laughs> yeah. That's a good tip. Some people don't talk about that. Yeah, but it was good. The Indian experience, I think, was very good. Oh, India. The other thing I liked about India. Mm-hmm. Their flights offer a lot of food. You know those, those in-flight snacks? Mm-hmm. Those guys give you like a whole a whole meal mm. with a starter. <laughs> it's like, Loro, by the time you reach the destination, you're satisfied. Wow. You buy a lot of food on the plane. I love that. Usually, they just give you a few snacks mm. and that, that just disorganize your enzymes and you... <laughs> <laughs> Disorganize your end. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they just alert you. Like this, <laughs> <laughs> the other day we were talking about racism and we were laughing about melanin and the pathways. <laughs> Man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but in India, India, I love, I love them. I was always looking forward to those. Yeah, India flights because I know I was going to have a rich, and I love food, so mm. I always love those unique food experiences. Okay. So these guys make sure that by the time you leave their flight, you really had a very good experience of their meals. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Why did you have been on this. Been on, I just checked the time here yeah, and I realized we've been on this call for, for like what, two hours? Over two 